again. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Sports Pass driving you home. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mike Gill. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Gill Show. Hunter Brody at Broads81. We got uh, our Fine Five Ugly Five coming up in about 20 minutes. Now, we got a lot of crazy discussions today. We've been all over the map. Carson Wentz, will he be back? Where's that poll at right now? It's a lot of votes on that poll. I mean, that thing got a lot of action today, almost as much as the dog poop one. We are getting a lot of action on the polls. Maybe it's because it's election day, you know? It's the election time of the year. So Could people be. People are voting around. So we asked the question, do you think Carson Wentz will end his career with the Eagles? 40% say yes, 60% say no. Wow, so 60-40. 60-40. You know, Mosher brought up a good point. You know, yeah, he probably won't. How many guys do? Brady didn't. Favre didn't. Breeze didn't play on one team. I mean, most guys don't. But I guess the kind of context is... Does he play his prime years in Philly, or do they give up on him before he gets, like, I mean, do they, in other words, do they give up on him and he goes someplace else and plays another five? Most of these guys, they go to another team, it's because they're hanging on at the end of their career. Yeah, I think the best way to put it is, when you look at Carson Wentz after his career is over, what team do you think of him as? Like, what jersey is on him when you think of Carson Wentz's career? Minnesota. When it's all over. Minnesota. Well, he's a North Dakota's man. I don't think that's going to be it. We talked about it, though. They, no, they I mean, some... that's just saying, like, if uh, there's a spot that, like, you know, that's, you know, because a lot of times you see a guy at the end of the road, he goes someplace, like, maybe back to where he's from or where he played college or something like that. Like, there's a reason he goes to that particular place. I can see Wentz at the end of the line. Like, let's say he plays this contract out, and in 2025 he's a free agent, and he says, you know what, I want to go back and play near where my family is. Because I feel like that's a big deal to him. Definitely. Do you think that he looks at Philadelphia and us as a fan base and, and it's like media, and he's like, damn, these people are whack. Okay, here's a question for you on that on down that road. When Carson Wentz is done playing, you know a lot of people who play in Philly, they end up staying here, and they like Philly's their home. Will Carson Wentz live in Philly or the surrounding areas when he's done playing? Like when he's done here, will he be identified still like as the guy who played here, lives here, has or has a home here? Because like you know, there's a lot of guys that they stay around this area. Especially I don't the think Flyers. So. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think so. But there are plenty of areas in South Jersey that I think he does enjoy. Like he's, you know, he's hunting. He does things. Well, there's... most of them don't live in Philly, right? But I, but I I'm think saying, that like I said, like the surrounding areas where he is within a drive to be at an Eagles game and still be visible. You know, like I don't know. I want to say like because uh, Brian Dawkins doesn't live here, but he does stuff where he's here enough. Uh, Seth Joyner's still around. I mean, these guys, like, they've played other places, but you you identify with them as Philly because they still, like, Brian Westbrook, he still does media stuff in the area. You kind of see him around. Like, there's so many guys that played here, and then they just kind of stick around. I don't think so. No, I don't think he's that guy. Can you see him being Philadelphia media after his career is over? He's got no personality no. at all. Him and Aaron Nola doing a sports talk radio show. Talk about personality. No, I don't see that happening. <laughs> and I mean, I don't. A lot of times, like the star quarterback, it kind of just McNabb gave it a whirl. 
Yeah, he still does. Uh, he kicks it here a little bit. Um, yeah, but, I mean, he wasn't very good at it, to be honest with you, McNabb. I didn't love him as an analyst or whatever he was doing. Well, you think about all these Dallas Cowboys that end up going to media after their career, and I'm just thinking about some Philadelphia people you see, out there. You see a lot of the Philly guys doing media stuff, like most of it locally or, you know, in other sports, like Kruk was doing ESPN for baseball uh, a lot of the writers, like Jason Stark was a guy from the Inquirer, then he went to ESPN, Stephen A. Smith was at the Inquirer, then ESPN. I mean, this area really produces a lot of people in that. But no, Wentz is not going down that road. I'm just wondering, does he view this as like, this is my home? I got drafted here, I grew up here. I mean, he was a kid when he got drafted here. Remember that. He was a young guy, like 21, 22 years old. He was a kid. So, like, does he view this as, I grew up there, I played there, I'm going to live there? I don't see it. I think he loves North Dakota too much. I don't think it has anything to do with bashing the South Jersey area or the Philadelphia area. I just think he loves his natural home, his original home, way more. So it's not shots fired. No, it's no, no. He I'm loves not looking it that at, much. I'm just saying, like, when we talk about will he finish his career here or, like I talked about, where would he play? You, uh, you said where could he play? I said Minnesota. Why? Because I agree with you. I view him as a guy who would much rather be out of the limelight, playing in a smaller market, you know, being the guy that is the big fish in the small pond. I don't think he enjoys the scrutiny and the constant media attention that the Eagles get. I think that is an eye-opening experience for him, and I don't think he likes it. Do you think he's delusional? Do you think he doesn't even recognize how much the media and how much the attention is going after him? Like, do you think he just does his own stuff? He's worried about his faith, his kid, his wife. Like, he doesn't even pay attention to it, so he's delusional about what's actually happening? Okay, delusional in that sense. I thought you were asking, like, delusional in, I was like, in what way? Oh, no, not like he's just, like, like, actually lost his mind. But delusional in terms of he's zoning out of all of the noise, and he's just focused on his own little life outside of football no i think it's a good question um to an extent yes i think he is probably very disconnected i don't see him as a guy scrolling through uh instagram or probably a better word uh, to use posting on facebook or anything like that i think he is very committed to his life and all of the other stuff out there i'm sure that he does not register too much on the richter scale for him it's got to be hard to do, though. Now, knowing it's right there at your fingertips, like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to search Carson Wentz in Twitter. That's got to be hard to do. Some people just have, like... He doesn't have that personality, though. You're right. Kevin Durant does it every day. Yeah, I mean, those people are just so insecure that they have to see what others are saying about them. I don't think Wentz cares at all. I think it's easy for me to say I would not search myself, but if I'm a quarterback or if I'm in the NBA, if I'm playing professional sports, I feel there'd be times where I'd give it a whirl. Like, does Wentz... I know he has a Twitter, but is he active on it? I think it's more of like an AO1 thing to support a lot of the stuff that he does. Like, hey, I'll use my platform to push out AO1, to push out what Zach Ertz does with, with his community stuff as well. Not uh, actually, so much. he's got, you know, uh, nice nothing better than knowing the fans, bringing the game to energy. It's an, actually a video of him. Okay. Um, his, other, his next one after that, party in the end zone, um, huge play and huge win, talking about Boston Scott. So he does mention uh, a little bit. Here's he tweeted one at Dak Prescott when the injury one, happened. Uh, yep, there's one that's tagged uh, AO1. So it's a little bit of a mix, but um, I don't see him being the guy that's uh, going through there reading this the thing. But, you know, will he finish his career here? I, I like when I heard. Okay, so why are we asking that question? Earlier this morning on KJZ, 
This is what Keyshawn Johnson said about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been up and down throughout his career in Philadelphia. Right. Philadelphia Eagle fans and Philadelphia Eagle supporters have a love-hate relationship with Carson Wentz. They thought, they thought Carson Wentz would be the best quarterback in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles when they drafted him. He would surpass Donovan McNabb. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that Carson Wentz is, will end his career as a Philadelphia Eagle. Okay, so I don't think that Carson Wentz will end his career as a Philadelphia Eagle. Eye-opening. I was like, huh, I never really thought about that before. Now, we talked about Jalen Hurts, and many people think, hey, they drafted Hurts to replace Wentz. I've never thought that. You know the way I thought about Hurts. They, they value the backup quarterback. But there's a part of me that wonders if there's just like a disconnect between Wentz and the organization, and like, you know, is he the guy that Howie – feels like you know this is our guy we got that guy I mean he drafted him so it's hard to say we're giving up on that guy I don't think they are giving up on him but I don't think that they're doing a great job sending that message you know like I feel they aren't saying Wentz we don't believe in you at all we're going to move on from you but they're not doing a great job showing we still feel that you can get the job done for us. And you're right, there is a disconnect involved, whether it is because of the draft pick, whether it is because of other things. Something is happening. It's so easy to see that there is a disconnect somehow, some way, from front office to head coach to what's happening out there on the field. It's similar to what happened with the 76ers before they made these awesome moves this offseason. We knew something was up. Something was weird, odd. There was a huge disconnect. They tried their best to fix it this offseason. Don't you feel the same happening with the Eagles right now? Internally? Well, no, because the Sixers changed coaches, got a new team president. I mean, that's pretty big. I don't think the Eagles are going to change coaches or get rid of the decision maker that doesn't mean that that's the best thing though no but you're don't. saying doesn't it no but I'm not, I'm not saying that they f they're gonna fix the issue I'm just saying it seems there is an issue fixing the issue is oh. replenishing everybody yeah yeah no I'm not saying they're fixing the issue I'm just feeling that there's something similar going on I don't which... know I go back to this question if they're not hurt if they're not injured all year long as much as they were are they three four and one and is our conversation today about hey can this team make a deep run in the playoffs do we say that every year, though, I feel? Well, I mean, give them credit. They're always in the conversation. When was the last time, I mean, Doug's first year? Which everyone gets a free pass their first year. I mean. For the most part. Well, they were coming off of a year when Chip left that things were pretty bad. Right. And they had to get a quarterback in the draft. You had a rookie quarterback playing. They went 7-9. and nine. The year that Chip left was the, was the last year where it was, I mean, the record wasn't that bad. But the team just kind of fell apart. The year before that, they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs, if you remember, for three straight seasons. And it was kind of like, okay. But in those three years that they didn't make the playoffs, they were 10-6. and six. They didn't make it. They were 7-9, and nine, and they were 7-9. and nine. So now they've made it three straight. And if they make it this year, they would, they would make it four in a row. I just almost, you know. Not too many teams in the NFL do that. Right, but then, of course, the context comes in on, you know, NFC East and all that. But, like, I just look at Lori, Howie, Doug, and Wentz, and I say that there is something happening between these four individuals. And when something is occurring between these positions in a franchise, you're going to have some struggles. So maybe it's just Wentz. Maybe it is just Wentz, and that's where the disconnect is, and he's not as good as what we think he is. 
then the fix is easy. You find a new quarterback, but it might go deeper than that. So when I, I'm always like in this situation, like back when the Super Bowl was going on and they win, you know, Peterson, you know, he's the guy he coaches for as long as he wants. We won a Super Bowl. When does that run out? Like at what point? I know there's a lot of people out there who are already saying, get rid of Peterson. He's horrible. I mean, I hear that from a, a, a small minority. But when does it a legitimate year to wonder, is this the end of the road for Peterson if the team continues down this road? Now, it's hard to say. Again, I get the circumstances and the context to say, I made the playoffs four straight years. I won a Super Bowl, one of those. I won the division, three of them. And I'm going to be on the chopping block? Like, I don't know. what. When is it fair to say, eh, they don't start doing something that both those guys need to be questioned? Because me personally... I don't think either one of those guys are in any issue, in any, not that they shouldn't be, I'm just saying, I don't think either one of those guys are in any trouble right now. I think Doug Peterson's seat is getting just uh, lukewarm. Not anything crazy, but, you know, he's got to feel some sort of pressure. I want to know the statistics of how many 9-7 and seven teams win, make the playoffs. Like, because they made the playoffs last year going 9 and 7. The year before they made the playoffs 9 and 7, but it was a wild card team. I want to know the percentage of teams that go 9 and 7 that make the postseason because I do think that that is meaningful to this conversation with Doug Peterson. Yes, I'm going to give you praise for making the playoffs the last 2 years. But 9 and 7, while you might have got in, it's not something that is a philosophy that you can go down that road and that normally gets you there. Then you can bring up your side of the argument, though, of, look, this is happening with injuries. The fact that he's 9-7 and seven with these many injuries, that deserves praise more so than looking down upon Doug Peterson. There's so many variables. That's the thing. It's not so easy. It's not so black and white. There's so much that's involved. you got to keep peeling all the layers off. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. How long of a leash does he have? Yeah, I don't know when, like, especially this year's a little odd because of injuries, and if they end up winning the division with the injuries, I know it's... I can't give anybody praise for winning a division with six wins, though. He did it, but I can't say, like, all right, you made it four straight years. Kudos, like, six wins I'm is not, on another No, level. I'm not giving them, but at the end of the day, I mean, somebody has to win it. I mean, everybody's had their issues. Theirs has been all sorts of injuries, so... Again, you could say, how did you keep it together with all these injuries? It's not an impressive victory to win this division, but the other teams are having injury problems and they're bottoming out. I mean, the, the Cowboys have become from a Super Bowl contender to the worst team in the league. The worst. Yeah, but maybe people just analyzed it wrong from the jump, more so than they actually were the best team in the league. You know, like people thought oh, they would not be. Not the but... best team in the league. I said a Super Bowl contender. Like yeah. they were a team that people legitimately said, this team can make the Super Bowl. Now they're the worst team in the league. So other teams have had injury issues and have not been able to recover from it. Well, any Whether you're impressed with them yeah. winning their division or not, I'm not saying you should be. But the alternative is you have all these problems and you bottom out. They're not bottoming out. Six, nine, and one, though, would be bottoming out. It's just you're lucky that your division stinks. Like, if you look at any other season and you go six, nine, and one and you don't win the division, you would view that as a, a colossal mistake of a season, horrendous if season. If they were healthy the whole way through, yes, I would say this to this roster, they should not have been a six win team if they did not have any injury problems. That's definite. 
I don't know. I just I, I can't look at this season if it continues to go down this road to six nine and one and give any credit I mean, how no many matter times, if they stay to, like staying together and being six nine and one, I don't think that deserves credit. I mean if I said, Hey, I went into the season with Nate Herbig, Sue Opetta, Matt. Yeah, but they're Pryor. not barely playing anymore. It's, what are you talking about? Nate Herbig yeah, started but, every single game no, this year. Sue Opetta and Brown, like no, those but guys are playing. Is, but they have. Every week a different guy has played, making your team constantly Worse and worse and worse because that guy has to play. They play two games of the eight. Yeah, but Opeta I'm... and Brown. The other guys are manageable. No, but I'm saying it's constantly changed. Opeta played the one time. Brown played another time. Jack Driscoll started games. Nate Herbig has started multiple but games. But you can win with those guys. You didn't know that. You're winning with that guy. I think that's part of the credit. I don't think you can win long-term with those guys. You're not playing a, uh, a season saying we're winning with uh, – Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll at the left side of our line. No, but if you— Jordan Maialata. I mean, there's another guy. He's never played football in his life. You're asking him to play left tackle. I got you, but he, did, round pick. but he did a good job with it. You're right, but that's part of— Now, is that Doug Peterson or is that Stoutland? Who gets the credit well, there? Well, Peterson hired Stoutland. He didn't have to. He was part of Chip's staff. He could have easily fired him and said, hey, you were a part of that staff, but I'm going to keep you here. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel— positive on people after a 6-9 and 1 season but I just know personally I won't give any credit no matter like keeping a team together and going 6-9 and 1 me personally I can't look at any positives in that scenario no no matter what the situation is the positives is. aren't the season was a positive that's I'm not saying that I'm saying like I, I don't understand how <laughs> I, I I can't even fathom how this team is like still even relevant and most people say well they're not they might win their division, and if they make the playoffs, and let's say they want a playoff game. But are they are they relevant because everyone else is that bad, or are they relevant because of what they're doing? Well, they did beat a team outside of the division. You know, They did win one game, and I don't know. What if they win two of these games coming up? We're just assuming they're not. No, I'm not assuming that they're not. I mean, I'm well, just saying. Well, we're saying they're 6-9-1. Oh, yeah. in, our, in this hypothetical. Yeah, right. you're right. And, yeah, and six, I'm assuming nine, if you're getting them the 6-9-1, and one, the two more wins, that, the three more wins they're getting – are not against three teams in that five-game stretch. What a riot right now with this damn team. Right? It's crazy that this conversation is legitimate, and it's an actual debate between you and I right now. Like, this team, giving them credit, six wins. I cannot believe we're here. And to answer your original question with Doug Peterson, the leash, I think it's lukewarm. You don't think it's even lukewarm? No. Not even a little bit. I wouldn't be afraid to pull the trigger on If they went... What are they now? Three, four, and one? Yes. Yeah, if they finish with one more win, then maybe. So like four. if they lost to Dallas, they lost to the let's Giants. Say they, yeah, let's say they, they lost, lost to the Giants. One of, like if they lost two of those three, but then you're, I think you're telling story. me that is the difference right now and how you feel about Doug. If they can beat the doesn't say how I feel. I'm talking about them. I think this how I, think I feel could be different. I might say it's time. I don't think they're going to panic and pull the plug i think there's a reason why they had a lot of new voices come in here like i think there's a reason why doug might not have his fingerprints on more than a normal head coach has maybe they're questioning doug peterson a little bit yeah that's fair i mean i think doug wanted to keep mike grow and i think Lori felt that no we can't do that like we have to show that we're doing 
something that that nine and seven record was not acceptable. And I don't think Doug Peterson handpicked the people that came in. That was more of a front office move. Possibility. I so mean, that's saying that be, they don't trust them. It could be part of the reason why everything's so herky jerky. I'm not against. I think Doug Peterson has great value in being the head coach and being the guy that gets the team together. I'm not against Doug Peterson being here if that's his role. But I do think you need to maybe add some more. Maybe it is an offensive coordinator. Maybe it is taking away play calling. That's I'm hard because I mean the guy was Doug. the play caller for the team that won a Super Bowl. Right. So I mean, he's but how long be do like, we hold on to that? For? Who? We, well, that's the question. Who are you to tell me you're going to bring in some guy? He's going to call plays better than me. I mean, what's his record? Sure, I, I'll show you five years of bad offense after one year of good offense. I'll, that's what I would say. I say, Doug, you've been with us. Let's say seven years. One year you were tremendous. Three years you were okay. The other couple you were bad. So yeah, you know what? You had one great year, but you've been surrounded by bad years after that. That's what I would say. You can't hold on to that one forever. You're going to have bad years. I get it. That's why I'm giving him a couple more. But if it starts to get real ugly. Then it gets into the whole thing. Well, how much of it was injury related? I mean, last year, there were the, the team at the end of the year, I mean, come on. That was a joke what they were playing with. Sure. Carson Wentz played great football and Doug Peterson helped them out and put them in positions. I mean, yeah, that's why I said it's so hard to answer because there's so many layers. Right. To it. And, 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 and with that offense that they had. I mean, I can't remember some of the receivers. They Rob were that bad. Davis, they were still Perkins. A, they were still a top half in the league offense. But they were playing against the worst teams in the league at the time. Another layer to the conversation. It just can't be easy, can it? No, right. There's always something to say, well, I mean, come on. I won four games with uh, Josh Perkins. Right. You know, I but mean, you went up against teams that had like a combined four or five wins. So it's it's going back and forth. But I'm not I'm just giving the other side for the reasoning of, you know, you can always go in another direction with these topics. Yeah, his high point. In, well, he got hired in 2016. They were they averaged 22.9. The next year was 17. They were up to 28.6. That was clearly their best year. 28.6 in 2018. They averaged 22.9. But remember there was that, that stretch of first quarter scoring where they couldn't score at all. I mean, they couldn't get in the end zone ever in the first quarter. That might have been last year, not 18. 24 points a game last year was what they averaged, which was top half in the league. And right now they're at about 24. So they their offense has stayed pretty consistent. The one year they were 28 and the other two, 24. And 22, so he's been right in the same range. Does that tell the story, though? I mean, when we have Sal Powell on, he's like, dude, this offense doesn't work. This offense is too vanilla. It's too stale. Most thinks the same thing. I feel the same way. So, you know, I don't know if 24 points per game tells the full story on the Doug Peterson offense. I think what tells the full story is a total lack of consistency in the players. I mean, the line this year, the weapons, the receivers, Injuries. I think the injuries over the. I've never seen anything like it over a four-year span. That the number one issue has been the injuries. The con. The one constant has been the injuries. Right? Yeah, it, it's definitely true. Even when they won the Even Super when they Bowl, won the Super Bowl, they had injury problems. I Big mean, time. Not nearly as bad though. They lost Jason Peters. It doesn't seem like it's not as bad because we've been having worse, but it was still horrendous. I yeah. mean, a tackle. Oh, they lost Jason Peters. Who else? Sproles, Hicks. Uh, corners on defense. Oh, you're on just the talking offense. the offensive yeah, 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 yeah. side. Well, you lost, lost Sproles and Sproles. You lost. Was there anybody else that was big in the in the offensive side of the ball? 
I mean, there was not a really. ton of injuries that year. Yeah, most of them, I think, came because he had the corners got hurt. Then they came back. He had lost Darby. Yeah. You know, then he ended up coming back. They lost Hicks. What a frustrating team this has been. Sports Pass brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call. Four convenient locations to serve you online. GMSLaw.com. You can interject always on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. 609 403 0973. We'll update that poll question for you as well. And when we come back, it's the fine five, ugly five, five best, five worst teams in the NFL. Five best, five worst NFL teams after eight weeks of the season. These are getting harder to do. I mean, the fine five, there's a lot of teams like in that five range, like six, seven, eight of them. The ugly five is starting to, uh, you know, you're starting to really get some repeat customers over here, right? Definitely. You're right, though. When I was looking at my number five, I left a couple guys out on the right-hand side here. I'm like, huh, they could easily be there, but they're not. Fine five, ugly five. All right, let's get five, uh, five, five best, five worst teams in the NFL. Let's start with the ugly five, starting with number five. Who's the fifth worst team in the NFL right now? I have the Chargers. Wow. Now, I know that they're involved in a lot of these games. I can't put Justin Herbert on my list. Well, I he, like that guy too much. I'm with you. I definitely agree with that. He's so much fun to watch. And I did mention yesterday they got screwed on that call against the Broncos late that allowed Drew Locke to go down and continue to, to play and come back and win. I just – they're getting close, and that's great, but they are losing – you look at these leads that they have, it's not to the extreme of the Atlanta Falcons, but it has that feel to it. Herbert's phenomenal, oh, yeah. but they are losing these games that they should be closing out. And the professionals well, have the last same. Last week, definitely. You're playing Denver, too, who stinks. Right, so I'm going Chargers. Uh, I got the Giants, and I mean, I think the Giants fight hard. I think they play hard for the coach. They're just not good. The defense scrappy. Their offense stinks. Um, you know... Right now, they're one in seven. I mean, what am I supposed to say? You're one of the worst teams in the league. So it's very similar to what I'm saying with the Chargers. They're competitive, but they're not getting the job done. You know? Yeah, but I think they're better than the Giants. They got better quarterback play. They're talking a lot about Jones, like moving on from him. I think the not the team, maybe, but the media started to get a little bit of heat on Daniel Jones on whether he's the guy or not. It's been like a year and a half, no? How, has it been over? Is it two yeah, it and a half now? Three years you got until like they made a decision. Now it's like if you don't play good in three weeks, you're done. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. All right, my number four is the Texans. You know, it seems like it's been forever ago since they went through the whole debacle of Bill O'Brien and hearing that J.J. Watt was getting after it in practice, and they just haven't been able to turn the page, which is reasonable. I mean, it's not easy to flip the switch after something like that happens and you lose DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason, but, you know, this Texans team, they're just a mess, so they're my number four. Yeah, I got Houston there as well. You're right. I mean, I hate this. Like, a lot of times I say, look, you got Deshaun Watson, but I don't know, Watson without um... – DeAndre Hopkins this year, is he the same guy? I mean, that team is another thing. It's like Wentz out there. He was great when he had somebody. Now he doesn't have them, and you're kind of questioning, is Deshaun Watson a franchise quarterback? He's got all that money. That team's got all sorts of problems, though. They won the one game after Bill O'Brien got fired, and then they've lost a couple straight since. I mean, yeah, I mean, realistically, you look at the Giants, one win, um, one in seven. Houston, one in six. Tough year. Yeah, definitely. All right, my number Bad trade, two. by the way. You, th you think so? Oh, You man. think Bill O'Brien's a good GM? 
<laughs> Number three. Not good. Jacksonville. The Jags are a mess. Are they ever going to figure this thing out? Remember when Coughlin went, went down the there? the AFC Championship game like three years ago. I know. Remember they played the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a controversial call in that game where I, I believe the Jags almost snuck out of there with it. Controversial plays and boom. But you're right. They were close a couple years ago. Now they have no clue, no identity, no real belief in the quarterback. What do they have? Do they have anything? Not really. They've uh, lost six straight after beating. They beat the Colts. Can you imagine if the Colts won that game? The Colts would be 6-1 and one right now. Yeah, they'd be over the Tennessee Titans. They would be. And yep. I think we'd be looking at them. Look, they're a plus 62, by the way, the Colts. On the flip side, Jacksonville's a minus 66. They've lost six games in a row. Quarterback play is dreadful there. Their running game with the Robinson kids, not bad. Their defense stinks. They've given up 220 points. They got all. They got no direction. No direction. That's a problem. Who's the coach down there? Is it Maroon, still Marone still? Yeah, Doug Marone. Jeez. Still kicking it. Unbelievable. Really is. All uh, right. Number two. I would imagine that our four, three, two, and one are all the same. Cowboys, Jets? Cowboys, Jets. So I got a little skewed based off the emotional loss by the Chargers. The Giants, because I don't have the Giants in my top five. Right. Probably deserve to be there over the Chargers, but yeah. that emotional loss to the Chargers got me last week. Got me in the fields well, for the Chargers. A couple, I mean, Atlanta, but they won this week. Minnesota, but they won. I mean, those two teams are two and six and two and five. Um, the Chargers two and five could have gone Bengals, but I think we like Barrow. The the Patriots are two and five. It's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I mean, for me, it was the Giants in that five spot. But I mean, the Jets. The interesting part will be Dallas is going to be bad enough. Okay, they're going to be in the top. They're going to be one of the three or four worst teams in the league, you would imagine, right? Probably, yes. What do they do if, if they had the number one pick in the draft? Trevor Lawrence. It's just one of those guys where you can't pass up on that. Right, but Dak Prescott, I mean. Or do you look at it this way? You have so many damn holes defensively. You keep Dak Prescott as your guy. Then and there's you no. Tra you trade down, and then you use the draft to refill this defense. You're then imagining that Dak Prescott comes back from that injury, and he's like the same player, right? Which would be very hard to do. I'm just saying, if there is another way to look at it, will they look at it that way? I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, though. I, I mean, don't the think the Jets so are zero and eight. Dallas is two wins, and I don't think anyone's trading that first pick either. If you need, if you need a quarterback, you're not saying, well, "Oh yeah, I'll Jets, trade it." Yeah, if the Jets get the first pick, they're keeping it. I would think, I mean, other teams right now that are in play, the Jets would keep it, New England would keep it, Cincinnati would not. Correct, they would not. I don't think they'd be the last place team, though. Houston? I don't think they would, no. Jacksonville would keep it. Yes. Chargers? They would not keep it. Nope. The Giants would keep it. Washington would keep it. Dallas would... They'd probably keep I it. I think they would. Minnesota. They got a big contract with... Um, they'd keep it. Kirk Cousins expires after 2022. Now, remember, Roseman and the Vikings have swapped quarterbacks before. So, yeah, hey, we'll maybe. take we'll take Trevor Cousins Lawrence for a year. Oh. <laughs> I thought maybe we'd take Trevor Lawrence. No, come on. <laughs> we'll take Cousins for the year, and you get Wentz. Get Wentz on the long-term deal. We'll eat the Cousins deal for a year. I don't think that would happen. Come on. You don't think that maybe we can get Trevor Lawrence? Give you Wentz. I'm not wasting my breath with that conversation. All right. Uh, Atlanta would take them. They're two and six. They have a shot to be the worst they team. They would take them. They would be the other one. All right. Find five. Five best teams in the NFL. Number five. Buccaneers. Getting, getting Antonio Brown as well 
is going to be another layer to this offense. I know some people question, how is it going to work? Too many weapons. Tom Brady, no such thing as too many weapons. Th them adding him to the mix is going to be a difference maker. And they're my number five. They might even move up as the weeks go on. I got Baltimore. They lost that game. Still questions about them beating good teams. They really haven't done it much in this era of Lamar Jackson. Now, they have a two-game uh, deficit behind Pittsburgh, so they might have to play some road playoff games as well now. So I got Baltimore number five. That's a good point. Yeah, the road playoff games could definitely add a different element, although fans, no fans, we don't really know what's going to be happening. Can we get fans back by January maybe? Can the world be a different place? Everybody said on November 4th that the COVID would be going away, so we'll find out. Yeah, I would love to I have the answer a lot. for you. Today's November 4th. Still code. Baltimore Ravens is my number four, but I see them slipping out of it if they continue to play some some of the games that they have to this point. You know, you lose to Balt you lose to the Steelers. It's like, okay, you lost to a really good team, but they're in your division. So that definitely adds an element to the conversation. Lamar Jackson, though, I feel the questions are very valid, and he's not answering the questions the right way to this point. So it is concerning. I got Tampa Bay, number four. Didn't love them on uh, Thursday night, but overall, I like their defense. Tom Brady getting uh, Antonio Brown. They got great weapons on that offensive side of the ball. They're a plus 82. They've won three in a row. When you got Brady, I got to believe in you. He's playing well. It's not like he's Brady and he's stinking. He's playing pretty good. So I got Tampa, number four. All right, number three for me is Seattle. And it's crazy because this defense stinks. It's absolutely horrendous, but... D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. They're going to keep them in the conversation every single week until they somehow fall apart, and I don't see that happening. I have Seattle there as well. I had them out last week. They, I took out this week, I took out Tennessee. Me too. And jumped over them with Seattle. I like their offense. Their defense played better last week. Um, plus 41, 240 points. Their offense is spectacular. You heard John Clayton earlier. He talked about them being uh, – Wilson being the MVP of the league, so I like that. He's playing as well. He said he's on pace for 59 touchdowns. Think about that. That's why Seattle's number three. That's insane. What else is insane is the Steelers, and that's why they're my number two. Did not put them over the Chiefs yet, but my number two, Pittsburgh. Impressive win. They are getting a little sloppy at times, though. You know, Big Ben with the Tennessee game, and there are some times where are like, oh, hold on a second. You know, they're not finishing it out as smoothly as possible. But, look, they're undefeated. They have a hell of a defense. Big bet. Also coach of the year. Mike coach Tomlin. of the year. That's what John Clayton said earlier on the sports bash. Plus 69. They've won seven in a row. They've only given up 142. They can score. They got Big Ben. They got weapons. I like their running game when they use it. I mean, it's a team that's pretty complete. Pittsburgh Steelers, number two in my fine five. And Kansas City, number one. They're a plus 101. They do it on both sides. Offense, defense, even special teams are pretty good. That uh, Harrison uh, Butker. Imagine a Steelers-Chiefs AFC championship game. That would be nice. That would be unreal. I mean, the AFC, Bills, I think, is like a notch down. But you got Bills, 6-2, and two, Pittsburgh, 7-0, and oh, Baltimore, 5-2, and two, Tennessee and Indy, both 5-2, and two, and Chiefs, 7-1. and one. you got some good, solid teams. We both have Green Bay out, by the way, NFC-wise. Yeah, they haven't been in mine in uh, a couple weeks. Wow, you're digging back. back. Since week five. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it's been that long for you. Not a big guy. Not a big fan. Huh. 
right. Yeah, I mean, that game, they lost to Minnesota last week. That's true. And the game against somebody kind of uh, turned me off on them. Who was it? Uh, so do you feel they're that 13-3 They got bombed version? by Tampa. Do you think they're that 13-3 version of themselves? Everyone's all right to have, like, a bad game. That was their bad game, I feel. Well, I mean, they got bombed by Tampa. The Minnesota one's crushing. Yeah, they lose to Minnesota. They lose to Tampa. I don't love their defense. I mean, they beat the Saints no, on the road. No real weapons. Nice win. For Rodgers. If they get um, Adams back, they haven't had him a lot this year. But their defense is the problem for me. So, I don't know. Hey, that's the first half of the year. NFC, I mean, the Packers 5-2. and two, Don't love them. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and that whole West division. There we go. The NFL at the midway point. That's it. The midway point. Yep. Wow. Feels like just yesterday we were barking back and forth about when will the MLB season start because of these damn owners. We've already got a, we've already got a World Series I know. since then. Crazy. It's Spot been a wild legs. ride. Speaking of uh, other sports, you mentioned baseball, but the NBA, it looks like they are deciding uh, they are expected to vote in favor of starting the season December 22nd with training camps opening on December the 1st. So we're just two weeks away from the draft. Free agency will open up 48 to 72 hours after that. And then it will be a 72-game season with less travel, only 14 back-to-backs. The regular season would end around May 16th. There's expected to be a play-in tournament like they had this particular year for the 7, 8, 9, 10 seeds in both conferences. And that hopefully ends up getting some more competitive play. They're saying instead of teams trying to tank and all that kind of stuff, and then December 22nd, we could have – so you could have the draft in two weeks from today. And then free agency begins – you know, that's on Wednesday. Free agency would begin on Friday. Training camp would begin on that next uh, Tuesday. And then the season begins the 22nd. Does it have the projected when the NBA Finals would be in that thing you're looking at? I saw something the other day that said if they played this schedule, they would be in July, like late July. I wonder if that would still – would they then resurface the following year and start back in the normal time of October? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because if you're done in July, then you, you're back on track. Right. I, that's my question. Is like, Do they want to get back on track or do they want to have something where it's December to July? Is that a mindset they want to do, December to July, or do they want to do back to their old ways? Because there was always um, that conversation of should they start later, NFL season. Yeah, starting around Christmas was always kind of like the question. Should they just start there all the time? Right. So yeah. I wonder how this, maybe maybe it's a trial thing. Hey, if they like it, maybe we do it. The two scenarios I saw, the one was to start on MLK Day and that they would be playing their finals into August. The other one was December 22nd and they would be done in late July, I think. That's the one they were kind of trying to push for. I think August is a little too late because you start to get that NFL discussion. July is like a good time of the year for it to end, I would say. Especially because, yeah, you're right. You got the NFL preseason games fall on a Thursday, and Thursday's a big NBA night, and you got uh, all the uh, you know NFL stuff starting to get there. But you would hope, you don't know, late July, I think, that Christmas time to late July might be a perfect window for them. I'm excited. Right, there's our fine five, ugly five. Plus a little NBA, a little uh, note in there. On the other side, five questions. Well, Maxion tonight, by the way.
Also, Thursday Night Football tomorrow. Don't forget Packers and Niners here on 97.3 ESPN. There is more high school football Friday on 97.3 ESPN. This is Tom Williams. Mike Gill and Steve Parker will have all the play-by-play. All right, time for five questions. Get ready to wrap up the night. Ten till the top of the hour. Don't forget Weinberg Wednesday on game night coming up next. But first, let's get to tonight's five. It's brought to you by Mad Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Visit 6211 Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. All right, I'll give you some of these crazy football lines for tonight. Now that we got some action. Kent State at home playing Eastern Michigan. Kent State is favored by five points. Who do you like? Kent State is playing Eastern Michigan. Correct. Hold on for one second. Let me think about this. All right? I know the MAC is back. We got Maction. We got... uh, So it's Kent State, right? Yep. Against Eastern Michigan. Correct. All right. uh, Kent State was among the best teams in the country against the spread last year. Nine and four. So I'm going to go Kent State. State. I think Eastern Michigan finishes last in the Mac West. Okay. How about this? Akron at home, underdog by 20 and a half points against Western Michigan. Yeah, Akron's the worst team in the Mac East. So Western Michigan, who's a mm, bottom feeder in the Mac West, but Akron's the worst team in the Mac. So I'll take Western Michigan. Okay, to cover the 20 and a half. It's a ballsy number. Buffalo on the road. Favored by 14 against Northern Illinois. Yeah, Buffalo's the favorite to win the whole kit and caboodle in the MAC. Uh, they are probably the best team in the MAC. Who are they playing? Northern Illinois. Yeah, Norill. They had just 14 passing touchdowns last year, and uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo to beat Norill. I always laugh. There was a running back from Northern Illinois playing the NFL for a little bit. When we were in college, my buddy used to bet on Northern Illinois all the time. Norrell. Why would he do that? I don't know. Was he making money off of it? I don't remember. Okay. But they had a running back back in like 98-ish, somewhere around there, 98, 99. I remember that. Buffalo, though. Buffalo's probably the best team in the MAC. Ball State on the road against Miami of Ohio. It's basically a pick Pretty much. Uh, Ball State is the play. They got good quarterback in that game. Miami of Ohio is a good team as well. But I think Ball State is the Mac West favorite. And Miami of Ohio is a notch below Buffalo on the east. But Ball State is the pick tonight. All right, the last one. Central Michigan at home Chippewa. against Ohio. They're underdogs by three points at home. Yeah, we talked about this game with Jeff on Tuesday. Central Michigan sleeper team, Ohio, the Bobcats, they lost their quarterback, but the younger brother, remember he told us that, is coming in to run the offense. But Central Michigan and Ohio, I would say, are both middle of the road, Mac East, Mac West. They're both like the three team in there. So it's a pick em. No, this one's three points. Central Michigan at home, three points. Okay, give me... Uh, Underdog, that Yeah, is. I'll take Central Michigan, the okay. sleeper team there. Uh, Chippewas, 
They were eight and five against the number last year. There's your five. There you go. Football that's, tonight. That's uh now. Are these games like a lot of them on TV, or they just like the game of the, the Mac game of the week? How many of these games get like actual primetime coverage? That's a great question. I'm going to pull that up as we speak. You know, like it doesn't matter to you though. I mean, you said and forget it for the Serie A games, so shouldn't really affect no you. Serie A games tonight? No, not tonight, but just in general. You're a setter and forgetter. You just set it, forget it. You don't watch it. You know what I mean? How many of these games are on? I can't well, even tell. Every game's there. tonight. No, I know. The whole but, league plays tonight. No, I I know, but I'm not seeing anything pop up on the like major, major uh, network. Go here. through the, the guide behind us here. Okay, let's do we the guide. Got, um, let's see what time would we say? Oh, that's why I pulled up Saturday's schedule. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. Yeah, well, you you put an amateur in charge of this. You got Bowling Green Toledo on ESPNU. You got uh, Buffalo Norill that game's on ESPN two, and you got uh, Ohio at Central Michigan on ESPN. So you got three of these games getting a little bit of coverage. I just needed a second or two. I got all that right here. It just popped up the Saturday schedule because that's how college football works. Enjoy the action tonight, everybody.